Suddenly, 50 yards in front of him, a set of high-beam headlights appear and rapidly roll toward him. Still several steps from his car door, the approaching vehicle pulls up, makes a sharp left turn in the road just in front of his car, blocking his way. His tires squealing, the car breaks to a complete and sudden stop. By this time, Bartlow had opened his own car door and now stood motionless, frozen in astonishment. The vehicle is a dark, late-model American sedan with tinted windows. Bartlow glances past the car, wondering from where it came, and, and sees another vehicle sitting at the same spot. His astonishment turns to fear. The passenger side window, which is now closest to him, lowers. A well-groomed, middle-aged man wearing a dark suit, white shirt, and tie speaks first, calling him by name. Dr. Bartlow, we need to talk. Who are you, and how do you know who I am? Bartlow asks while thinking, I'm not sure if his knowing my name is good or bad. The stranger gets out of the car. With intimidating swiftness, he takes a step forward and says with directness, Let's not debate here in the street. Get in. He opens the back door. The interior light reveals another man sitting in the back seat on the opposite side. Bartlow has no time to think or capability to evade. His mind rushes to find a solution. If they were going to kill me, I'd already be dead. It's dark, no one else within miles. Three professional-looking men with at least one other in the car up ahead. My car's blocked, my phone's out of reach, and the facility's gate is chained. Bartlow looks up at the man holding the door. Recognizing he has no other options, Bartlow gets in the back seat. The door is pushed shut. The stranger gets back in the front seat and looks forward, as does the driver. The car's interior light goes out. The inside of the car is dark. Light from the lab's parking lot enters through the tinted back window, creating an eerie blue and black effect. The headlights from the other stationary vehicle in front make Bartlow think of one being interrogated. The stranger in the back seat initiates the conversation. Dr. Bartlow, you'll forgive the theatrics with our selection and method in contacting you. What's this all about, Bartlow demands. Okay, Dr. Bartlow, putting it plainly, you have been recruited, says the stranger. Recruited? For what? For whom? Who are you? Bartlow asks, growing more impatient, surprised by his own bold directness. Dr. Bartlow, who I am is of no consequence to you. I could tell you anything. Let's say my name is Wilson, and you are being recruited into the service because of the work you are doing. Wilson, huh? Well, let me tell you something. Bartlow is cut off in mid-sentence. No. Let me tell you something, doctor. I represent the government within the government. There is the white world and the black world. Long after your friend in the White House is gone, we will still be here. Yes, we know about your work, your travels, everything, including your plans for the fetus. Barlow's heart begins to race faster. A cold sweat forms across his forehead and goosebumps fill his back and shoulders. Impossible, Barlow thinks. Yet somehow they do, and they must also know of the improprieties I performed in obtaining it. I don't know how they know, but they do. If they know that, they know about my trips to Tel Aviv, the book and its secrets. Dr. Bartlow, permit me to be candid with you. We are recruiting you to continue with the work you are developing in your research laboratory involving the living fetus. Your government has a great interest in that and has for some time. To what extent is that important for you to know right now? Wilson opens a dark, hard-bound folder that was sitting in his lap, which was obscured by the darkness permeating the inside of the car. He reaches up and flicks a switch that shines a light straight down toward the center of the back seat, avoiding illuminating the rest of the car's interior.
Moving the opened folder underneath the light, he tells Barlow to read and sign. Barlow sees that it is a pre-printed form with the heading in bold letters, Non-Disclosure Statement. Wilson begins describing the form and its intent. Dr. Bartlow, you have been recruited into the service of your country to participate in the work you're performing with regards to construction of an image. Your top secret clearance is being compartmentalized in the highest order. You are not to tell anyone, not Dr. Ryan, not the president, not any colleagues or supervisors, no one. Do you understand? What options do I have, Bartlow asks. None, Wilson barks. And let's be clear on this. We know what you did and how you did it. Something I'm sure you realize would not look very good if that were made public. And by now you also realize that we could have made contact with you anywhere, at your D.C. townhouse, here at the lab, or in your home on Willowcrest. Anywhere. When national interests are at risk, Dr. Bartlow, there are no rules or boundaries. And now that you know we even exist, mandates the requirement that you sign and remain silent. Bartlow didn't know that his Tel Aviv trips got him caught. His first visit to NAHA went unnoticed. The second visit prompted a routine Israeli background security check. The Americans were notified because of Bartlow's ties to the White House. Enough inquisitive suspicion was aroused that it caused a mild security flutter back home. This led to a more thorough yet stealthy investigation of him and his work. Wilson's Black World Agency took the lead and pieced it together. Barlow's work and home phones were tapped. That's how Wilson found out. They had stumbled into it. Now, image technology was a newfound resource, which provided value-added potential and job survival justification to their hidden agency. Seeing no other resource, Barlow looks down at the form, finishes reading and signs and dates. Wilson takes the form back and places it in the folder and turns the overhead reading light out. The government has, let's say, a modest interest in your work. You are not to abandon your efforts, nor are you to divulge this contact tonight with anyone. We will contact you as we need, says Wilson. Barlow's head is spinning with the implications of the pact he just signed. He looks at Wilson. Will there be anything else? Can I go now? Yes, Dr. Bartlow, you may go. Barlow opens the door of the car and gets out. As quickly as the car arrived, it pulls away. Barlow stares as it does, noticing the white license plate with blue lettering, standing at the top, U.S. government. The dark sedan drives past the second vehicle which swings in behind it. They both disappear into the darkness. Barlow sits down behind the steering wheel, locks his doors, and considers the repercussions of his experience. How do they know about my project? How? Certainly it wasn't through Zach Ryan or Soraya Thackner. The fact is, they do know. And what does no rules or boundaries mean? If I don't cooperate, I could be ruined professionally, maybe prosecuted for treason, or end up in the Potomac. His hands are sweating. Barlow dries them on the front of his white shirt and starts the car. He realizes that he must continue with his work and cooperate, at least give that appearance. Driving home, he considers the complex reality of his position. There are levels of government within the government that can combine to carry out any endeavor totally unaware to the general public. And with excitement and trepidation, the government may be on the verge, or already know, that the ancient technology describing the plausibility and creation of an image is achievable.